Uh, you could probably tell by the song selection that we were going to be talking about going to heaven and being and caught up to be with the Lord in the air. Uh, also, we heard you know, about uh, Charles's dad passing away and just wanted to um, help with that and provide that, that hope in the promises of God that heaven is our home. As we've been going through the book of Thessalonians, there are two things that, to me, jump out in this book. Uh, one is knowing the will of God for our lives. We talked about that last week. And the other major point that in the book of First uh, Thess- Thessalonians we have, they talk about the, the Lord's return. It talks about the rapture of the church, the catching away of the body of Christ. And there's much to cover this morning, and if we don't get it all done, well, Lord willing, there's next week. And so we'll be, we'll be talking about it again next week. But if you visit with believers in the Lord Jesus Christ for any amount of time, eventually the topic of the coming of the Lord is going to come up. The rapture of the church, Pastor, how much longer do you think we have? Well, do you think it's close? That topic is going to come up. Uh, and to, to answer that, yeah, I think it's really close. And I think we are approaching that time uh, for, the, for the Lord's return for His body, uh, the church. This morning, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. I want to give you some really, really good news as we get into this book. First Thessalonians chapter 10, uh, chapter 1, verse 10. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath of to come. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. Some more really, really, really good news. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting with verse 13. So keep those two verses in mind. That you, church, body of Christ, you have not been appointed to wrath. And we're going to talk about when God's wrath is going to be poured out on the earth. It's very significant that we identify when God's wrath is going to be poured out on the earth. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or have died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, we find out that God has not appointed us to wrath, and how that we're not going to be exposed or go through that period of God's wrath, he further explains to us in that passage of Scripture. There is going to be a catching away. There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a departure for us, the body of Christ, before that time of God's wrath commences and God's undiluted wrath is poured out on man. Understanding the rapture of the church, understanding our mystery exit, uh, is one of the, the most important aspects of understanding our position on rightly dividing the word of truth, understanding dispensational theology. It's all part of that mystery exit that we, the church, the body of Christ, is going to experience that the Apostle Paul received special revelation about. It is our calling on high that we're going to be talking about here this morning. Um, he has not appointed us to, to wrath. Uh, so when is the wrath of God going to be poured out? Well, we know from Matthew 24 that the Lord quotes Daniel 12:1, and he talks about there's going to be a time of trouble on the earth like has never been before or will ever be again. So when is that time when, when there's going to be a time of trouble such as never has, been, has never been before? We read about in Isaiah, the, uh, we, it talks about the fact that uh, the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, there, we talk about the day of the Lord, we talk about this tribulation period, this seven-year period, Daniel talks about it, and if you come to Bible study on Wednesday night, we're going through that, and we're going to be even getting into that in more detail. But there is a period coming that God's Word refers to as the day of the Lord, the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation uh, seven-year period that God's wrath is poured out, especially the last three and a half years. Now, here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship, we call ourselves pre-trib. And I like being pre-trib. I like the idea of not going through the tribulation. And fortunately, the Scripture teaches that we're not going to go through the tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. There's a reason why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jacob referring to which nation? Israel, absolutely. There's a reason that the tribulation period is, 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 is called the time when God's wrath is, is being poured out because that's, that's going to be taking place. Matter of fact, uh, Revelation 15, 1, as it talks about this time, refers to it as the time uh, uh, that the, the seven last plagues are, are poured out. You know, you've got your seven seals during the book of Revelation, and in the uh, seventh seal, when it's opened, you have the seven trumpet judgments that are blasted, and oh, that's tremendous persecution. That, those, those seven trumpet judgments that occur, uh, uh, we see the hand of God working, and that seventh trumpet, as it is blown, something occurs then also. 
So you have the seven seals. The seventh seal contains the seven trumpet judgments. The seventh trumpet judgment contains the seven bowls or vials of wrath. And Revelation 15:1 says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. So when is God's wrath poured out? It's during this tribulation period, and it's poured out in its fullness. It fills up the wrath of God. People say, oh, no, 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 that has to do with uh, going to hell, and we've not been appointed. You know, when at the great white throne, there's no wrath being poured out. When you study the, the great white throne and what's occurring there, it's God's perfect justice. There's no wrath. The, 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 the glassy sea there is calm. There is no wrath. It is perfect justice. And everyone at the great white throne judgment gets what they deserved as they're judged according to their works, according to God's word. So there's no wrath there. Where, when is God's wrath poured out that we've not been appointed to? It causes me to realize that the rapture is our blessed hope. We're not going to have to go through what God's Word describes uh, as a time of God's fierceness and His wrath. Gonna couple, uh, let's look at a couple of scriptures that verify that. And there are many more that, that we're going to be looking at, or that we could look at. But Isaiah 13. Look at Isaiah 13. Look at verse 6. And by the way, in Revelation 1, when John says that he was on the Isle of Patmos uh, uh, on the Lord's Day, uh, what he's saying there is he was not there on a Sunday. What a, what a false doctrine has emerged from not understanding that scripture. But John was on the Isle of Patmos in the day of the Lord. The Lord literally takes him into the day of the Lord, and everything that he sees is referring to the day of the Lord, what we're talking about here. And everything that, that happens there in the book of Revelation, there's visions on earth, there's visions in heaven, there's a vision on earth, there's vision in heaven, as John is taken into the day of the Lord, which Isaiah describes and Jeremiah describes and Zephaniah describes, and they all, all the prophets talk about this. But look at Isaiah 13, let's start with verse 6. Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. And it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. And therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. And they shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. And they shall be amazed at one another, and their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Verse 11, oh, verse 10, for the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light, and the sun shall be darkened, and his going forth of the, of the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and they're wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. 
And I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man that is golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. So what are they talking about here? They're talking about the tribulation. They're talking about the day of the Lord that we've not been appointed to, church. How are we getting out of that? It's that thing called the rapture, the catching away where we go to meet the Lord in the air. Look at Zephaniah. And this is a test. Zephaniah. Not sure how many of you found it or some of you are just looking up up there. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14. Zephaniah 1, verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and hastens greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day, talking about the day of the Lord, that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet. That's that's important too, remember that. a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fence cities and against the high towers. Drop down to Zephaniah 2, verse 1. Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation not desired. Behold the decree, bring forth before the day passes a shaft, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which hath wrought his judgment, and seek righteousness, seek meekness, that it may be you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So this tribulation period, this day of the Lord, is the day that that we have not been appointed to wrath about. Uh, look at Zephaniah uh, 3.8. Zephaniah 3.8. Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I will raise up the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Now, that's the, what God has delivered us, church, body of Christ, from. The prophets foretold from Joel, all of them, depicted and talked about this day of the Lord, this seven-year period, that God's wrath is going to be poured out, that the nation of Israel is going to be wooed back to God. That's what the book of Hosea is all about, wooing the nation of Israel back to God, God protecting His chosen people, that nation, while right now in this present dispensation of grace, Israel is blinded temporarily till the time of the Gentiles become in. At this point, God is not working and dealing through Israel He is dealing and working through the church, the body of Christ. That's us. And Revelation 19 talks about the fact that when the Lord comes back, He's coming to make war and judge. 
That's what the tribulation is all about. That God is going to be dealing with Israel. He's going to be dealing with nations. And his word is not going to be thwarted. That's what's going to happen. But I said all that to say this. We're not going to be part of that. Before God declares war, what does he do? He calls his ambassadors home. Or before a nation declares war, they call their ambassadors home. Well, our calling home is what we call the rapture of the church. Now, a couple of things I want us to talk about when we discuss the rapture of the church. Number one, the rapture of the church can happen at any time. It's what is called imminent. It's imminent. It can happen at any time. There are no prophecies that need be fulfilled before the rapture of the church takes place. There are no prophecies related to the rapture of the church. You go, well, what about earthquakes? What about wars and rumors of wars? What about That's the second coming, and we're going to talk about the second coming here too. But there is a difference between the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church, the body of Christ, and the second coming of Christ. Every prophecy that's foretold has to do with the second coming of Christ. There is a major difference between the rapture and the second coming. What is one of the main differences? At the rapture, according to what we read a while ago in 1 Thessalonians, we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And what God's Word tells me that I'm supposed to do is comfort you with those words. And I hope you feel comforted by that knowledge. That before that tribulation period starts, and And that tribulation period ends with the second coming of Christ. And all of the prophecies related to the second coming of Christ will be fulfilled during that time. You say, but yeah, but we see so many things that are happening in the world today. Yeah, we do. So if you're starting to see all those actors climbing up on the stage, if you're starting to see so many different things take place, relating to the second coming of Christ, how much closer are we to the rapture? How much closer are we to the rapture? But at the second coming, Christ comes and we are caught up to meet him in the air. At the second coming, Christ comes all the way back to earth. He establishes his kingdom. The the 12 apostles sit on 12 thrones, ruling and judging the nation of Israel. It is during, after the end of that seven-year period when Christ comes back that the thousand-year millennial kingdom is, is, uh, takes place and Israel becomes that nation of priests. Israel becomes that, all that God promised them that they would be here on earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Folks, my calling is on high. My promise is heaven. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. And we have our rightful place in that. And that's a whole other sermon. We'll get into that one of these days. Just not today. So the rapture of the church is imminent. It can happen at any time. The rapture is, is in the second coming are totally different. The rapture is in the air. The second coming is Christ coming all the way to earth. Uh, Zechariah 14. Turn, turn with me to Zechariah 14. 
Zechariah 14. Let's look at verse 3. Zechariah 14, verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as in when he fought in the day of battle. What, um, what battle do we call that in the book of Revelation? The battle of Armageddon. Battle of Armageddon. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and in the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. Look down at verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day, and shall there be one Lord and his name one. Verse 11. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. That's all a result of the Lord coming back to earth, the second coming, and him establishing his kingdom on earth as the gospels so vividly portray. Even Christ's coming. John the Baptist came calling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why was the kingdom of heaven at hand? Because the king was there. And the promise was for an earthly kingdom where Christ, the Messiah, would rule and reign. So that's totally different. By the way, by the way, in Acts chapter 1, when the Lord is taken up uh, in, in the air and the apostles, 12, well, at that time it was 11, they're gathered there and they see the Lord taken up and he's taken up out of their vision into the clouds. See, so they, the twelve, only see the risen Lord, the glorified Lord, in connection with the earth. It is the Apostle Paul, the Gentile, uh, the Apostle to the Gentiles, he never sees him on earth. He only sees him in relationship to the heavenly sphere. See, God is so consistent in making sure we understand the difference between Israel's hope and the church's hope, Israel's program and the program God has for the church, the body of Christ. Israel is not spiritual. I mean, the church is not spiritual Israel. There's two different programs. It's imperative that we rightly divide the word and understand, understand all of that. And all the prophecies dealt with the second coming of Christ. I had someone tell me, well, more than one time, well, the word rapture, you know, you dispensationalists, you, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Let me ask you this. How many of you believe in the Godhead? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we all do. How many of you believe, what do we call that, by the way? Trinity. Take out your concordance and find me the word Trinity in the Bible. It's not there. But does that mean that the Scriptures don't teach a triune God? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Uh, the concept is there. It's called the deity of Christ. It's called the Godhead. And Christ is the image of the invisible God. All through the scripture, it talks about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the excuse or the, the, the point that the word rapture is not in the Bible, 
really carries no weight because the concept, the idea, the truth, the preaching of the rapture absolutely is. As a matter of fact, go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. What is it called there? It's called, look at verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Caught up is harpazo. It means to be, to be caught up. It means to be snatched, to pluck, uh, to seized, to be seized. And that's exactly what takes place. In the English word for all of that, to be caught up, to be seized, uh, is the word rapture. The word rapture. So if you don't want to use the word rapture, that's okay. We'll call it what it is. It's catching away. It's a catching up. It's Christ coming for his church, his body. He seizes us all, and he brings us up to meet him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I'm to comfort you with that knowledge because after the rapture, oh, I'm not about to tell well, I will tell you what all takes place, transpires after that. When there are no believers on the earth for a short period of time, there are the two witnesses that are going to be witnessing. There are the, the, the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached. The fact that, that Christ is going to be presented as the Messiah and uh, the, the fact that these two witnesses are going to, to, to be proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and, and all this that's going to be taking place during that time. And there are going to be millions of Jews and Gentiles that are going to come to know Christ as the Messiah during that period of time. Millions are going to be martyred. Uh, uh, 144,000 are going to be sealed. 144,000 are going to be kept, kept safe from the beast, the Antichrist. And all this, what the Scripture teaches us is going to happen during that seven-year stretch. That seven-year period is going to be unbelievably bad. But we're not going through it. We're not going to be part of it. And what a glorious truth that is. God's Word calls our catching away. It calls it a mystery. Uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 51, what does Paul say? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. Well, I've got to tell you that the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust was not a mystery. Martha understood it at the, at the, at the funeral of, of Lazarus. When Christ came and Lazarus was uh, in the grave, uh, they, she understood, yeah, in the last days there's going to be the resurrection of the just. So the, 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 the everlasting life, eternity, was not a mystery. So what is Paul talking about? He's talking about, behold, I show you a mystery. I'm going to tell you something that was hidden. I'm going to tell you a secret. Something that was hid in God from before the foundation of the world. Let me tell, let me tell you this secret. Church, you're not going to go through the tribulation. You've not been appointed to wrath. But you are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 
so shall you ever be with the Lord. That, that was our mystery exit. Look at first, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now I've got to tell you, and I've said this many times, I love King James Bible. I love the King James Bible. I love this English translation. I use it exclusively. I think by far it is the best tribulation, and I think there are a lot of tribulations out there that are not good. King James, I like. But there is a place that, boy, do I wish that it asked me when it came time to um, translate it. They didn't. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Start with verse 1, Tim. Now, Paul had already written to First Thessalonians about the Lord's coming. Now he's writing to them again because they're in shock. They are, they're confused. Somebody, you'd like to know who, who, who would confuse them. Somebody had written them a letter telling them that the day of the Lord had already happened. And these people understand, oh, no, not the day of the Lord. Oh, the day of the Lord is gloominess and darkness and wrath and persecution and the beast, Antichrist, all of that's going to take place. They were fearful. And he's writing to this church in Thessalonica. Verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Well, where is he talking about? Well, he already told them before. In the air. In the air. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by the word nor by letter as from us as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist, that's the beast, during that seven-year period. But here's where I wished that King James had asked me how the falling away should have been properly translated. As a matter of fact, it was properly translated in every uh, translation prior to the King James. And, and the word there is apostasia, and it does mean a departure from the truth. It can mean a departure from the faith. It can mean, a, but usually, if it's a departure from something like that, it uh, an apostasy. It'll tell you. Well, they've departed from the truth. Here, it's simply a departure. That man of sin is not going to be revealed until there be a departure first. And whose departure is that? Us. At the rapture of the church. That's what Paul's telling them here. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall come, except there, that day shall not come, except there be a departure first. So if you want to call the rapture the rapture, go ahead. I'm with you. If you want to call it our mystery exit, hey, I'm with you. 
If you want to call it our calling on high, who do it? Because that's what it is. If you want to call it our departure, yeah, you're really biblically right. No, the word rapture itself is not there, but the concept is absolutely there. And it's a mystery. And folks, i got to tell you, I believe that we're very, very close to our mystery exit. Now, there are no signs, there are no wonders that have to take place before the rapture occurs, but we have many indications. We have many conditions that are going to be going on during, during that time. And 1 Timothy 4 talks about that. The fact that there's, verse 1 talks about the fact that they're, you know, in the last days, uh, that people are going to be departing from the faith. See here, there's the word apostasy, from the faith, departing from something. The other word, it's just, we're just departing. And giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils in the last days, in the latter times. Second Thessal- uh, Second Timothy 3, you know, talks about the fact that, three one, uh, three one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And if you don't believe we're in perilous times, uh, watch the news. Ask me later and I'll tell you which news to watch. Which news not to watch, but that's... Or I'll give you my opinion. We're close, folks. We're close. Hey, and listen... Uh, if you want to do a little bit more research on, on uh, this, uh, raptureready.com. Raptureready.com uh, is a, a really good source. And what they do is because a lot of those who uh, are opposed to the rapture of the church and don't believe the church is going to be raptured out, you know, we're premillennials. There's a thing uh, called uh, mid-trib, or, or we're, we're pre-trib. There's mid-trib believers. There's post-trib believers. Uh, post-trib meaning the church is going to be taken out at the end of the tribulation. Boy, I don't see that because we've not been appointed to wrath. Uh, mid-trib, you know, you listen to them because they make some pretty good points. I think they're wrong only because I don't want to go through any of it. And, and I mean, I want to, and, and I think even mid-trib, God's dealing with the nation of Israel again and these, the church in Israel aren't going to be it's just not going to be going simultaneously during that time. Our exit is get us out of there so God can start dealing with the nation of Israel again. Um, A lot of those that are opposed to the rapture of the church, they'll talk about the fact that there was this wacky Pentecostal girl youth by the name of Margaret McDonald that uh, was influenced by demonic beings and she was in some kind of charismatic movement and, and well, that's where the rapture of the church began. Not so. Not so. As a matter of fact, that's why I gave you that email address uh, or that website. Go there because what Margaret McDonald taught was not the rapture of the church. It, it was something totally different. It had nothing to do with the rapture of the church. As a matter of fact, years before Margaret McDonald in her state, whatever that was, uh, uh, John Darby had come to that conclusion as he recognized the difference in God's program for Israel and God's program for the church. uh, John Darby was talking about uh, the rapture of the church. Hundreds of years, hundreds of years before that they were talking about the rapture of the church. A lot of those that criticize this, oh, this rapture stuff, it's, it's brand new. It's brand new. It's, you know, it hasn't been taught for that long. 
well, they're in error again. Because I, I think the rapture of the church was taught by the Apostle Paul. And so I think you can't take it all the way back there. So we go back further than, than they do. But even if the concept is new again, let me give you another new concept that was just uh, started being taught again about a little over 200, almost 300 years prior to uh, John Darby teaching the rapture. There was another concept that was lost for a thousand years. And that concept was justification by faith. Well, that's a fairly new concept, really, when you stop and think about it. Justification by faith. Are we going to throw justification of, by faith out the window? Because, well, it's relatively new. The church really didn't embrace that until uh, much later. Of course we're not. Because why? The Bible teaches it. It was more, more, more or less rediscovered. And I praise God that the Holy Spirit moved on men to understand justification by faith. Just like God has moved on men to understand that there's going to be a departure that we have not been appointed to wrath. What a glorious truth that is. And I embrace that. Um, praise God for that. Next week, I want to talk a little more about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, getting into verse 14, and about the state of the dead. I want us to talk about the fact that the dead is going to, the dead will rise first, and we which are caught up shall meet the Lord in the air. Uh, that's important to understand in the rapture and this resurrection that both the dead and the living are going to experience by the power of God. I mean, remember, Christ is the, uh, the way, the truth, and what else? And the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We can trust Him. And it is through His power and His might that we are going to experience that resurrection. Verse 15 of that says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord shall descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I want us to talk about that trump of God. First uh, Corinthians 15 calls it the last trump. And it has nothing to do with the angel's trumpet in, in Revelation. It has to do with another trumpet that's sounded, that's blared. And talk about this resurrection of those that have died and those of us who remain. We're going to talk about that resurrection. We're going to talk about Michael and his role, Michael's role in, in the rapture of the church. With the shout of the archangel? Well, why do we need that? <laughs> Let me give you a hint. It has to do with who the prince and power of the air is. It has to do with every time Michael's name is mentioned in the scripture, it always has to do with confrontation with the devil himself. And it's, it's fascinating what God has planned and what God is going to do.
But here's the encouraging news as we close for today. When to sorrow not is others who have no hope. We have that hope. We have that salvation. We have that perfect relationship with Christ. Don't you? Don't you this morning? If you don't, here's God's invitation to you from His Word that you can be reconciled to God by His grace because He loves you, that His Son paid that debt that you owed. The wages of sin is death, but Christ Jesus paid that debt He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification so that you can have that relationship with the creator of the universe, with the one who sustains the universe. You can have that special relationship with him. And as we've talked about so many times, and we'll continue to talk about, what an exchange. My sin for his righteousness I had none of my own. And the promise is eternal life. So that when I lay my head on my pillow at night, I don't have to worry about whether I die or the trumpet sounds. I'm being called up. Oh, and by the way, I meant to do that this morning. And I forgot. We'll, but one of the first things that we'll cover... Uh, What about children? What about children at the rapture? That's that's interesting. I mean, that's critical. Mamas and daddies and grandparents, that's critical that we understand what God's Word teaches. Because I'm going to tell you. I'll save it for next week, what I'm going to tell you. So you have to come back now. But as a granddaddy who loves his grandkids... Thankful that my my children are saved, that when the rapture takes place, they're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But what about your children that have not reached the age of accountability? Hey, by the way, you know what's happening downstairs right now that Victoria is doing? She's sharing the gospel of Christ Jesus with your children. Praise God for her and Rick that do that. Mamas and daddies, we need to be doing that. But I also have some good news for you concerning the age of accountability and what the Scripture teaches concerning God's attitude toward, toward children. Let me invite you to know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. By faith, trust Him and His finished work on Calvary's cross to save you. Let's stand and be dismissed this morning. And as we stand in the quietness of this moment, we don't ask you to stand up. We don't ask you to come forward. We don't ask you to do anything, any work that might make you think that you did something in order to be saved. What we do is emphasize what God's Word says that you need to do to be saved, and that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It's trusting, believing in His work on Calvary's cross. Now, there's work to do after you're saved, after you're made that new creation, and if you can't find work to do, come here, we'll give you some. There's work to be done. But in order for you to be saved, what you do by faith is you trust in the complete and finished work of Christ Jesus and what He accomplished for your salvation. 
And when you believe in the Lord Jesus, when you believe on Him, you are placed into the body of Christ. You are made a new creation by the work of God. You are baptized by the, by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, sealed into the day of redemption. What a perfect salvation that is. Let's bow in prayer. Gary Vinci